Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, church, you're looking great, sounding good today. Go ahead, take your seats. I'm excited that I get to bring the word to you. And I feel like I say that every single time I got on this platform, but it's truth because I never get tired of teaching and speaking from the Word of God. It energizes me, it fuels me, it feeds me, and it changes my life. I've spent years, decades upon decades of my life just allowing the Word of God to teach me and change me. And so today, as you know, we're in the final Um, talking point, I I guess, about this series that we've been in called Mindsets. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've helped it, you found it helpful because honestly, the mind is the most powerful tool. And if you can learn how to use your mind for the will of God, how to control your mind the way you think, you'll discover that you can actually change your life. So if you've been missing out on any of these series over the last few weeks, the month of January, go back and check them out on YouTube. And I promise you, it'll be tools in your hand to set you up strong for your year ahead. But before we get into today's message, if I may, I'm going to pray. With heads bowed, nice closed. Father God, we come to you today. Lord, we don't just come because it's another Sunday. We come because we need to hear from you. Lord, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit will do what I cannot do. As I have studies and and as I've prepared and and as I've opened your word to, to discover and hear what you want to impart to your people today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be the voice on the inside that is opening our hearts in a way that we can receive you from you and we can hear from you and that we can all leave today changed. And I ask, Lord God, that you help me to articulate this in a way that is easy to understand. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Wow whether you're in the room, whether you're online. I'm so glad that you've checked into church today. And we are ending the series on mindsets and talking about how our mind works. Um, You know, for Luke and I, when we're trying to relax or we're trying to unwind, where I like to put things on uh, Netflix like Nat Geo Wild or, you know, one of the, like Planet Earth or something that I can just like, I don't have to think too hard about. I can just watch it and it chills me. And um, I particularly like watching the safari programs because I've just got this on my bucket list. I want to do a safari one day before my days are done. I want to go on a safari. I don't know who I'm going with because there's no way he will come with me. He's like, you know what? No, tigers, lions. I will look at them from a cage in a zoo. 
do. We've been together over 20 years and I still can't get him to take me to Nosleaf Safari Park. Like, he won't take me. And I just, I'm like, I just want to go there. I just want to go and be amongst the, the, the animals and see them all. So if you want to take me on a day out, I'll sit in the car, I'll pray for your counsel, you do whatever you want, just take me to the Safari Park. And, uh, and so I love all things uh, like that. So well, I was watching a program the other night and it was um, out on the plains in Kenya, and it was based around the elephants. And um, I just found it super interesting because it was, taught, it was showing this scene where the lions were circling the elephants. They were on the hunt. And you see, when the lion sees the elephant, one thought goes through its mind, and that is lunch. So all it thinks is lunch. Now, the elephant is like 10 times the size of the lion. It's like three times heavier than the lion. It is more powerful. It is stronger. With one stamp of the elephant's foot, it can crush the lion's skull. But the lion doesn't see any of that. The lion just sees there is a great big walking facenda restaurant right there. All the meat you can eat, and I am hungry. So the lion acts according to the way that it thinks. Now, when the elephant sees the lion coming towards it, one thought goes through his mind, run. He begins to act according to the way that he thinks too. Though the elephant is more powerful, though he is stronger, though he is a more intelligent animal, okay, he thinks I am lunch. So he too acts according to the way that he thinks. And so his power, his strength, his might, his intelligence that could all work for him now become victim to what he thinks about himself. And do you know it's no different in your life and my life too? You will only ever be as great as the thoughts that you are having who you are and what you end up becoming in life is all to do with the way you think about you. It doesn't matter how many degrees that you have. It doesn't matter how many letters you have after your name. It doesn't matter about the exams that you have passed. It doesn't matter what it says on paper about you. You will never be any more than the way you think. If you think small about you, then your life is going to be small too. Proverbs 23, 7, it's a scripture that if you've been coming here for any amount of time, you will hear this repeatedly said from the platform. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As you think about you, so you will become. It's right there in the Bible. You are a result of what you think about you. You can never have an attitude that is further on than your own belief system. So you can never walk around in confidence if you believe you are insecure or less than. You can never have an attitude that is beyond your own belief system. The reason the lion is king is because of the way he thinks. He believes he's king, so he walks around and acts like king. He's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. But in his wiring, in his DNA, he believes he's king of the jungle, and so he becomes. A proud person is proud because of the way they think. A humble person is humble 
because of the way they think. A generous person is generous because of the way they think. An angry person is angry because of the thoughts that they are having in their head. You are what you think. What you think about you is more important than what you actually do. So if you want to change anything about you, you've got to change the way you think before you can change what you do. And so often, we get this principle the wrong way around. We think, if I want to change something about me, I'm going to change what I do. And so we say, I don't want to do that thing anymore. So I'm going to stop. I'm determining. I'm going to stop doing that thing. Or we think, I want to change some of my habits, so I'm going to implement doing a new thing. And a couple of weeks down the line, we are frustrated and beating ourselves up because now we're back doing the thing that we said we weren't going to do anymore or we've stopped doing the very thing that we said we'd implement to bring a change in our lives because we've got it all the way the wrong way around because if we could fully understand that who we are is governed by the mind First and foremost, you would fully understand that if I can change the way I think first, then what I do will change also. The only way the mind can change is by being transformed and transformed by the Word of God. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you will have heard that said over and over again transformed by the word of God. God knows you. He made you. He gave you the mind so he understands the complexities of the mind, the way you think and the way you feel and the way you function. God understands it. And his message to you is you want to change some things in your life, then you've got to allow your mind to be transformed. And it gets transformed. It gets renewed by my word. Not just reading the Bible, not just quoting scripture, but by submitting your life and yielding your life to it, transformation will take place. Romans 12 puts it like this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Like anybody else wants something good, pleasing, and perfect to happen in their life. Anybody else look into the future and go, I want to walk into a future that is good, pleasing to God, and perfect. That's the kind of future I want. Well, God's saying that's possible to you. It's available to you. But you get that by allowing your mind to be transformed through my word. The word transform means to completely change the appearance or the character of something or someone. Anyone remember Transformers back in the day? the movie, I Raise Boys, Optimus Prime, and all of that jazz, I'm right in there, and and my kids had Transformers, and these things, one minute they were a car, and then they'd kind of go, and then it was a robot. It was the same thing, but it became something different, yeah? So nothing was added to it, nothing was taken from it, it was exactly the same, 
but it just transformed in their hands and became something different. Do you know your life can be transformed when it's in the hands of God? You can allow God to do something with you. It doesn't take your character away. Some people are like, oh, I just don't want to become one of them Christians because I'm frightened, you know, I like who I am. I'm frightened of who I'll be. No, you're still you. You're still you. you. You, who you are, doesn't change. But there is a transformation that, that happens on the inside of you to, to, to give you the life that God intended for you so that you become more like him. When you take the word of God and allow it to begin to teach you what is wrong and what is right and what is good and what is evil and what is wisdom and what is not. When you allow God's word to begin to teach you like that, a transformation begins to take place. You know, with the, I remember the voice transformers. One minute it had wheels and was rolling along the floor and then they'd do this thing and then it had arms and legs. And it was the same, but it looked completely different. And every time I think back to that, I just think about the transformation. Anybody ever said to you, there's just something different about you? You're not who you used to be. Anybody who ever says to you, you're just not who you used to be, you go, yes, thank you. Thank you. I don't want to be who I want to, who I used to be. I want to keep on being transformed because you know what? None of us ever arrive. Don't ever look to the platform to see the end result of a transformed model because we're not there yet. We're on our journey of transformation as you are on your journey of transformation. Romans 3.20 says that he is the one who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than, more than all that we dare ask or think, indefinitely beyond your greatest prayers, hopes or dreams. I'm not sure what it is you're hoping for out of life. I'm not sure how you're wanting this year to shape up for you. But according to scripture, my God is able to go beyond your greatest prayers, beyond your hopes, and beyond your dreams. So listen to this next part, um, that he's able to do definitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power at work in us, not according to the power that's going to drop from the sky and be on you, not according to the power that's on the platform, not according to the power that comes from the preacher or the pastor, but according to the power of God that is in you, according to the power of God that is in you, you're able to live a life that is above and beyond your dreams, which tells me there's another version of you in you. There is another version in you that God wants to transform. You don't have to remain stuck. That's why the Bible teaches us time and time again, it says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. That word diligence means I am going to be persistent. I'm on the forefront guarding my heart. Whenever the Bible is talking about your heart, it's talking about who you are. It's talking about the center of you. It's talking about your soul, where the real you resides, your mind, your will, your emotions. That is the heart of 
you. And this is what the Bible is talking about every time it mentions the heart. So it says, guard your heart. Guard your mind, guard your will, guard your emotions. And that means when it's saying with all diligence, I'm not having an off day when I'm not in church on a Sunday. I'm going to guard my heart Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day, every hour, every moment. I get to decide what I listen to and what I do not. I get to choose my conversation. I get to choose my environment. I get to choose my disposition. I get to choose my attitude. I get to choose what I look at, what I watch. I get to choose what I engage in because I'm diligently guarding myself from being influenced in ways that are not going to be conducive to the person I want to become. You see, what you allow yourself to be influenced by, what you take in through your ears, your eyes, the information you absorb, the counsel you listen to, is who you're going to end up becoming. And so, you know, God doesn't control who you are. God gave you the power of free will. So anytime you want to blame God when something's going wrong in your life, God does not control who you are. You control you. God gave you the gift of free will, which sounds awesome until you realize that your will has to be controlled by you. You decide what you are going to do. You get to choose. And it is God put you in charge of you, And it is the most precious and the most dangerous gift that he has ever given you. It is precious because God understands that he made you in his image and in his likeness. And so he understands that when your will aligns with his word, he knows how incredibly powerful and life-changing that is. But it's dangerous because he also understands that you can use your will to choose to work against who he is. So it is the most powerful, precious, and the most dangerous gift that he has given you because free will gives you the power to choose. Hey, listen, if you don't like who you are today, the chances are it's what you've spent years being influenced by. The people you've been around, the information you've absorbed, what you've seen, all builds up, has an effect and begins to shape and mold our lives to who we are today. You are what you continuously see. You are what you continually hear. And you know what? Life really is that simple. It's like that, you know, it really is that simple that we are the information that we absorb. And I think a lot of people get really stuck at the point of salvation When we ask Jesus Christ to become our Lord and Saviour, weeks later, months later, we're there going, I don't think this God thing even works because, like, I became a Christian back in da-da-da-da, but I'm still having the same thoughts that I've always had. I'm still doing the same things that I've always done. Why is nothing changing? And that's because there's a difference between salvation and transformation. And you know what, personally, 
I think it's really lacked in teaching in the church because we understand salvation. Salvation is that point where you say yes to Jesus. You're like, I want Jesus to become my Lord and Savior. I don't want to do life my own way. I I want the Spirit of God living on the inside of me. I'm going to repent from my sins. And when you pray that prayer, God hears you and immediately... Your eternal destiny is secured and immediately you become a child of the Most High God. But the Bible didn't tell us to go out and get people saved. It said go out and make disciples of people. And that word disciples means disciplined ones. He's talking about transformation. When you've received salvation, transformation is on you. It's on you guys. Because that word transformed means to be changed by his word into his likeness. And so what we understand is it's a process. Like I said before, none of us are the finished results. We're not the end product. We're all on a journey of process. But at the point of salvation, God's saying, will you now be committed to the process? Will you now be committed because you have a new way of life, new belief system, new morals? Will you be committed to the process of putting everything through my filter of my word? You know, will you put your will through the filter of my word and let me begin to transform your life? You know, whatever you feed yourself on is the thing in your life that will ultimately grow. And we feed our spirits the same way that we feed our flesh, our bodies. So this body has three meals a day and lots of snacks in between because it needs that fuel to keep on going. It needs the fuel to be able to function. Without me feeding it, it couldn't work. It couldn't, you know, it couldn't go to the gym. It couldn't run a family. It couldn't do anything if I didn't put the fuel in. And some of us are crying out for a transformation in our life and our spirits are literally starving to death because it's like you fed me last Sunday. I heard that word last Sunday, but I've had nothing all week. What you put in is what will grow. And so, you know, it's never been more easy than we have it right now in this generation to feast on the word of God. It's never been more easy. You know, there was a a time in, in, in history where you had to physically have your Bible to be able to get the Bible in you. But now we have smartphones and tablets and we can download good Christian podcasts and watch church online and we can have word for the day through our phones and we can listen to praise and worship music and all of that is feeding your spirit on the word of God. But if the majority of your diet is absorbing Netflix and social media, guess what will grow? Envy. Lust, jealousy, pride. What you feed will grow. Is there anything wrong with Netflix and social media? No, I do both. But the biggest part of my diet is the intake that feeds my spirit. And so this is what God wants you to know. He knows you've been 20, 30 years doing life one way. He knows that actually to date your will has deceived you because your will has let you know this is good, this is right. And actually now when you become aware of who God is, you begin to realize, oh, those decisions I make weren't quite right. And that's 
not really truth. And God says, it's not going to change overnight. And do you know, this is the point where some people drop off coming to church because they feel so bad on themselves. It's like everybody in that place so holy and holy and nobody knows what I'm thinking and what I'm struggling with and what I'm, but I want to tell you, it's just transformation takes time, but you've got to be committed to the process of transformation. There is a battle going on for your soul. Remember, whenever the word of God talks about the heart, it's referring to your soul. What's at your soul? It's the seat of who you are. Your soul is your emotions. Your soul is the place you do your thinking from, your decision-making from. It's your feelings. This is the soul. The soul is who you really are. And there's a battle going on over that soul. You might have heard this phrase used before. You are a spirit because actually you are a three-in-one being. You are a spirit, you live in a body, but you have a soul. And the battle is going on between heaven and hell, between God and Satan over your soul. You see, the devil, he, he ain't that bothered about your spirit, if I'm honest with you, because he knows the spirit of man yearns to be in relationship with God. He ain't that bothered about your body because he knows your body came from dirt and one day to dirt it will return. But your soul, oh, he's going to put up a fight for your soul. Your soul is important. So both heaven and hell are waging war all the time over you over your soul, because the enemy knows if he can get your soul, your soul will influence your body and influence your spirit. So that's why the Word of God says that we have to be diligent and guard the soul. But the soul will only operate out of the information that the body receives. So the body operates out of five senses, okay? Seeing, touching, smelling, hearing. What was the other one? Seeing, listening. Yeah, see, seeing, listening. Oh, Emma. Hearing, seeing, feeling, smelling, tasting. There you go. There are your five senses. That's how your body receives information about life. That's how it enjoys life. That's how it enjoys pleasure. That's its experiences. And what it experiences, it feeds into the soul. That's why in all of Jesus' teachings, he said, be careful eyes, what you see. Be careful hands what you do. Be careful ears, what you hear. This is what Jesus is teaching. He's talking to the senses of the body because he's saying, listen, whatever you allow that body to do, it's going to affect your eternal destiny. Galatians 5 puts it like this. I say to you then, live by the Spirit and you certainly will not, um, you certainly will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So I've got three volunteers, three of the band members coming out, guys. They're going to help me to demonstrate to you just in a very practical way what your everyday life looks like. Okay, guys, can you turn around for me? Okay, so you are a spirit. 
You have a soul. And you live in a body. This is the naughty one. Live in a body. Your body operates through its senses, touching, feeling, smelling, hearing, tasting. That's how your body experiences life. The information that the body takes in is fed into the soul. The soul is your mind, your feelings, your emotions, your free will. It's all in your soul. So whatever the body gives to the soul, the soul then translates the information to the spirit. The spirit hears it. The spirit conceives it. Okay? Your spirit is where the wisdom of God sits. Your spirit is where wise counsel is. Your spirit is where you will hear the voice of God in your life. So what happens is spirit sends a message to the soul and says, tell the body what the body is hearing is not good. So the soul takes the message and says to the body, spirit said, what you're hearing, it's not good. Body said, but I like it. Body gives that message to the soul. Soul gives the message back to the spirit and says, body says, he likes it. Spirit said, tell him what he's doing right now is not wholesome. It's not godly. It's not wise. He needs to change his source. Spirit gives that message to the soul. The soul hears what the spirit is saying and translates it to the body. And the body says, but it makes me feel good. I don't want to stop. I want to keep going. Tell the spirit to shut up. And so... The message comes back to the soul. Can you see where the battle is taking place? The soul all the time is in conflict between the message it gets from the body and the message it gets from the spirit. Your feelings, your mind, your emotion, your free will. That is why you have days where you do the things you don't want to do and you don't do the things you know you ought to do and then you feel guilty and you want to beat yourself up. It's all because of this battle that goes on in your soul constantly. And the idea is that we get to a place where the body starts to go, I'm not going to do that because the spirit doesn't like it. That's the end goal, where we can make a decision here because we want to keep the voice loud here. But often what happens is these two unite. Spirit says, I like it. Don't you like it, soul? And soul goes, hmm, yeah makes me feel kind of nice. And what happens when these two unite is the voice of the Spirit gets quieter and quieter. You see, the Spirit can only take in what the body brings into it. 
Your spirit is not going to spring to life with brand new revelation from God if the body has first not taken it in. And the voice of the spirit gets quieter and quieter as these two unite and begin to do life doing exactly what they want, when they want, according to how it feels. If you've ever heard the expression walking in the flesh instead of walking in the spirit, this is what walking in the flesh likes. But what happens is what felt good in the moment ends up a life that's in a mess. Thank you, guys. You can go and unpeel each other. And so when we live according to the flesh, it feels good for a season. It feels good for a time. But the minute we begin to shut that third voice out, our life is heading for trouble. But what the body needs to do is start to take in more of the word of God. Because as you take in more of the word of God, it is filtered into your spirit. And your spirit bounces it back to you as wise counsel. But you've got to be the one to take it in first. But God knows change doesn't happen automatically. You've been 10, 20 years living your life, doing the thing that you like to do. You've been 10, 20 years with your free will deceiving you. But God says, if you can become aware of that inner voice more, let me tell you what it sounds like, right? It sounds like conviction. Have you ever, in fact, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes And in summary, what it says is this. If you get involved in something that doesn't feel quite right, have the wisdom to back out. You exercise yourself by hearing that inner voice. The more you ignore it, the quieter it will become. But the more you're listening to it, you will hear it daily, hourly, momentarily. That inner conviction It's the voice of wisdom. It's the voice of wise counsel. It's the Spirit of God saying, don't don't do that. Don't go there. Don't make that decision. That's not not going to be good for your future. You know, there's a a guy in the Bible who I absolutely love called Elijah. When you read the story of Elijah, you see that he was a a great and mighty prophet and did incredible things. God did incredible things through the hands of Elijah and the life of Elijah. I mean, some of the most incredible miracles that are written in the Bible came through Elijah. But you know, even the men of God have off seasons and off days. And in 1 Kings 19, we find Elijah is literally having a breakdown like to the point where he just asks God to take his life from him. He says, I'm done. Like I've seen, I've lived the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. I'm done. I don't want to be on this planet anymore. And what happens is Elijah is just in this phase of life because he's got people who want him to give him accolades and they think he's wonderful. And then he's got other people that hate him and they want him dead and And he's just done with the whole thing. So he starts running. And he runs and he runs. And he's running away from God. And he's running away from people. And he's running in fear. And I don't know how this finds you in your life today, but you might be on the run yourself. I'm just running. 
I just don't want to engage with anyone. I don't want conversation. I don't want counsel. Like I can't even be bothered trying to explain my circumstances anymore. I'm just running. And Elijah's running, finds him in a cave up a mountain. And he hides in the cave. And when you read the story, this guy literally has a full-on meltdown. And he's weeping. And he says, where are you, God? Like, where are you? Like, I am desperate. I just want to vacate the earth. Where are you, God? Then this sequence of events begins to happen. And what the first thing that happens, it says that a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains and shattered the rocks before him. I mean, can you imagine a wind that was so powerful, it's moving boulders off the sides of the mountains and they're crashing to the earth next to him. He's hiding in the cave. The next thing that happens, it says a great and mighty earthquake, a terrible earthquake struck. You can imagine Elijah just hanging on to the side of the cave for dear life as the earth split open before him. Can you imagine the noise? I mean, we read these stories like as though they're fairy tales, but can you imagine the noise as you're standing there and the boulders are crashing and the earth is splitting and the next thing that happens, it says came fire. Fire started to break out all around him. So now he's got the heat and the noise of the fire and the wind and the boulders and then the earth is splitting and it is chaos going on around him. And he makes this statement and he said, but God wasn't to be found in any of that. And after the wind and after the earthquake and after the fire came a gentle whisper. And Elijah heard it and he pulled his cloak over his face and he went and stood at the mouth of the cave for he knew it was the voice of the Lord. I don't know what you're fatigued with. I don't know what you're frustrated with. I don't know how fed up you are in life right now. The earthquake and the wind and the fire, they symbolize to me things that just put demands on us every day and pulled from pillar to post by something or someone. Every day, I don't want to do the habit that I keep on doing, but I can't stop doing it. And I feel like it's screaming in my face every single day. I don't want to turn the computer on and see that stuff, but every single day, it's a yearning in me. It's shouting for my attention. It's the wind. It's the earthquake. It's the fire. It's the people that put pressure on you. It's the thing that you just can't seem to break away from. But the message of hope that I take from all of this is that even in the carnage and the noise, he still heard the whisper. You see, because the carnage and the noise was happening out here, but the whisper of God was in here. And it showed me that Elijah was still listening for the voice of God even when he felt like his world was falling apart. And even amidst the noise and the chaos, he was still able to hear the voice of God. Proverbs 3, 6. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go, for He is the one who will keep you on track. 
Elijah has this, this moment with God. And in the moment, he knew what direction he ought to take his life. When you begin to pay more attention to that inner voice, which by the way, is always talking, you've just got to be willing to listen for that conviction in your spirit. When you begin to pay more attention to that than the external things that are screaming for your attention, for the habit and the addiction that just want to take you down, for the group of friends that just want to take you in a direction that you know you oughtn't to go in, but you just feel sucked along. When you can listen for that inner voice in amongst all of that chaos, you will begin to be transformed. You will begin to change from the inside out. And as you listen to the voice on the inside, what you do on the outside will become different. Don't try and change your outside behaviors first, but be transformed first by taking in the Word of God and allowing the Spirit God, Spirit of God to speak to you and bring forth the life that you were intended to live in the first place. Church, I hope this has helped you today. I'm going to ask you if you can all stand. We're going to pray. And then we're going to worship some more. God's a good God, right? I love the fact that he didn't bring us, put us on this planet and say, hey, people, go figure it out. Like, I'm hiding. You can find me. Go figure it out. No, he says, look, in my word, there is tools for you to equip your life with. A builder's only as good as his tools, right? can have all the wisdom, but if he's got no tools to do anything with, he can't build. And so these are tools that we're putting in your hand from the Word of God. It says, go and equip your life. Go build your life. Go build it strong. Go and build it well. Let's, let's talk to Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Jesus, I thank you that you are real, that you are true, that you are relevant, that your Word is life-changing and life giving, that God, when we become people who lean in and persistently desire the things of you and your word, that it begins to change as transformers, that we are who we are, but we just become different. We start to think differently and talk differently and act differently rather than striving to try and be something that everybody else wants us to be, rather than trying, Lord God, to strive to to change ourselves from the outside in. God, I thank you that by your spirit, you want us to renew us. You want our lives to go from strength to strength and from glory to glory. And I pray for every person in this place today, oh God. I pray that as they go about their week, Lord God, that in the chaos and the commotion of just life, that they will hear your voice not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday and on a Tuesday and on a Wednesday. And they will know, Lord God, your leading, your guide, your direction, your wisdom. And I ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
We never leave this place without giving an invitation to those who maybe you've never made a commitment to Jesus before. Maybe you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. And we just never, ever would miss an opportunity to do this. So if you're in church, maybe for the first time, maybe you've been coming a while, but you've never actually asked Jesus to become your personal Lord and Savior, then I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And you can just pray it quietly in your heart, but but let him in. Let him in. He doesn't have to be a stranger. Let him in. It's your eternal destiny. So Heavenly Father, I thank you that I find myself in this place today hearing words of life and words of hope. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come and be King, Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me trying to just go through life and figure it out alone. I give my heart to you, my mind, my will and emotions. And this day I call myself a child of God. Thank you that you are with me from this point on, wherever I go. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.